You know, it's only appropriate on this first day of this new year that we honestly take a look at not only their level of dedication, but also your level, my level of dedication to the Lord. Oh man, I love the first of the year, right? It's honestly, I, I, I have had to work as a Christian to not live perpetually in a first of the year season every month of my life. How I learned the things of God, David, was coming out of brokenness, coming out of hopelessness, coming out of addiction, coming out of a bad life. And so constantly, every day of my life, I never learned to enjoy the blessings of God because I was always introspectively looking inside of what was going on and trying to figure out what to batter, batter down or ratchet up next inside of me because there was always something springing up or leaking somewhere. Anybody else found that to be true to your journey in serving the Lord? Yeah, we want you to walk in here on the first Sunday of the year and we want you to be touched by the Spirit of God. We want to charge you. We want to be in your face, if you will, in our worship presentation to let you know that you're victorious and you're going over and you're not going under. But at the same time, let me say this to you. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He hedged them in in front and behind, as Pastor Chad said earlier but because they oftentimes did not personally maintain what God had done for them in their own hearts, they went back to Egypt while they were living in the promised land. How, how many of you know that the children of Israel, and, and Pastor Chad and I didn't choreograph this or stage this, how many of you know the, the children of Israel are a type they're a symbol. We're, we're going we're gonna to slow it down today. We're, we're not, we're not going to be an a, 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 a inch deep today and a mile wide. We're, we're probably going to be a mile deep and an inch wide. How, how many of you know that the children of Israel show us what it looks like to be born again? You say, how so? Okay, well, well, they were God's called. You didn't call God. God called you. They were God's chosen. You didn't choose God. Even if you got up and put your clothes on and came to church today, that, that wasn't an act of your own volition. God led you here sovereignly, divinely. He, he called you to him. He chose you to him. And when he found you, you were in slavery. They were in the bondage of Egypt. And you and I, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter where you, all of us were in the bondage of sin. It may have been addiction. It, it may have been greed, it may have been pride, it may have been racism, it may have been hate, it may have been lust, it may have been envy. Whatever it was, God called you in your broken state. He called you in your wretchedness. He found you in a place where nobody else would have wanted you. And when nobody else would have given a wooden nickel for you, he sent his very own son to die for you in your place to pay a price you could never pay to redeem you back to himself, but then to restore you to a new life. And he starts bringing you out of bondage. Now watch this. When he starts bringing you out, you start learning to walk and he brings you right through the waters of the Red Sea. That's your water baptism. When you said, oh, I'm leaving the old and turning to the new. And then when you come up out of the waters, all of a sudden you go under the cloud of the Spirit. 
That's learning to live that spirit-led life where the spirit would move, then the children of Israel would move. And he's leading them from bondage through a journey to build their faith called the wilderness journey into a promised land. Anybody know that there's a promised land waiting for all of us? Anybody know this world is not our home? The children of Israel show us what it's like in the Old Testament for the entire duration of our lives through the born-again process. But oftentimes, in that journey, for the children of Israel, thank you, Holy Spirit, while God was trying to bring them out into a promised land, their hearts would return and go back to Egypt because they would not maintain the things that God had miraculously and sovereignly done. How many of you have had God do miracles? How many of you have had God break chains? How many of you have had God do the impossible? How many of you have seen the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the mercies of God? But how many of you know that we are charged to protect and to keep what God has done? Amen? You don't want to look up one day, be sitting around those pots and go, well, if we were back in Egypt, at least we'd have something to eat. Well, if I was back married to him, well, if I was back in the bars, well, if I was back in the trap house, well, if I was back in jail, well, if I was back at the mall, well, if I was back in that old relationship, well, if I was back out on the streets, well, if I was back full of hate, well, if I was back full of pride, at least life would be this. No, you're, you're on the way to the promised land, but yet your heart, your heart wants to return to Egypt. I've got to watch that. You've got to watch that. So today, as we enter into this first day of, of the new year, we're kicking off a brand new series. This is easy preaching for me. This, this is big life group today. This is staff meeting today. This is to John Skipworth first, to the staff next, and to everybody else. You're just going to get the residual splatter on the wall overflows. We got to ratchet this thing up today. We got to search our souls. We got to look at our commitment. We got to find out if we're stewarding and keeping what God has done. I know 20 may have been a tough year, 21, 22. I know all those things. I've lived it. I've felt it. But at the exact same time, God has been good in all of those years. At the exact same time, God has been faithful. At the exact same time, I'm standing here today pastoring the church of my dream in the community that I belong in that I love with the friends and family that I'm excited to serve with, reaching the hurting and the helpless and the broken. I've got a lot to be grateful for, and I don't want to let slip through my hands the very thing that I've given my life to. So I'm going to protect it. And how I protect it is by looking at where I'm at, what I'm doing, what I'm seeing, what I'm believing, what I'm reading, where are my emotions, where are my thoughts, Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, take me higher. Oh, God, do the supernatural. Oh, God, give us the best year of our life. Well, what if he does it and we let it slip? What if he does it? Have you seen him do it before and you let it slip? I've seen him do it before. And then me let it slip. Me make wrong choices. Me walk out on God, back up on God. Come on, somebody. Am I, am I preaching to the right group today? If you're excited, if you're happy, if you're going where you want to go with God, and we need to work on that. We need to protect that. We need to steward that today. I uh, started thinking about what the first few months of this new year would look like. And we're really excited about next month. 
uh, the series, Christian Classics. Man, it's going to be a fun one. Excited about some of the series coming out for the rest of the year. But this, this, this first month, um, if for nothing else at the beginning other than your waistline, <laughs> if I only get your attention because <laughs> you're really disappointed with yourself how much you've eaten in the last month, <laughs> I really think we need to take a few weeks and talk about developing some habits but not just any kind of habits, some holy habits. How many of you got habits? How many of you got holy habits? That's what I'm... I saw one lady, God bless her, she said, I got habits. She raised up both hands, and when I said, how many of you got holy habits? She went... Got lots of bad habits, no holy habits. Just playing, I'm talking to me. My name is John, I am your friend, amen. My name is John. I am your friend. I want us to begin today in the book of Lamentations. I want you to see every sunrise from today forward. Every time you see the sun pop through the clouds on a dreary and a rainy day, every time you see the sun poke through the trees in a deer stand, every time you see the sun come up in the morning on a crisp, cold, frosty day, every time the sun comes up down Interstate 20 from the east in the dead middle of the hot summer, and you know it's going to be 107 today, I want you to see every sunrise from today differently for the rest of your life because God intended it to be so. Lamentation chapter 3 verses 22 through 24 say this the faithful love of the Lord endures forever it never ends his mercies they're not like your ex-husbands they're not like your ex-wife they're not like your old bosses they're not like your BFF that said he or she was your ride or die and then stabbed you in the back his mercies are not like Judas Iscariot's they never cease the psalmist Solomon here then writes, great is thy faithfulness, great is. He, in, in that moment, he's just overwhelmed as he starts comparing God to man. And he says, great is your faithfulness, your mercies, they begin afresh each morning. So I say to myself, Every time I see the sun come up, that sunrise represents new grace, new opportunities, new destinies, new mercies. Great is thy faithfulness, O oh Lord. The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. I won't hope in my job, I won't hope in my zip code, I won't hope in my geographical location. My hope, Solomon said, is in Him. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh for me, for you, each morning, day unto day. Father, today as we begin to look into Your Word, a lot of Your Word today, here's what I pray. I pray that the anointing of Your Word would flow unimpeded through me and that it would change me that it would grow me, most importantly, that it would mature me. That, that's 
what the call of Christendom, that's what the role of discipleship is about. It's about our maturing in this world, not staying children and adolescents in our faith, but growing in the things of God. God, I pray it not only for me, but for the staff, for the team, for, for, for the serve teams. God, I pray it for the wonderful people that are with us today from Louisiana and Adult Teen Challenge. I, I pray it for each and every man and woman, boy and girl, that's under the sound of my voice here at Oaks Church today, that that anointing would begin to grow us into the men and the women of God you've called us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As the Lord began to say some of these things to me that now I have had the privilege of of, of sharing with you. Um, the very first question that I asked myself objectively about all that I had shared with you up until this point is, is, is okay, if, if these things are so and if they're scripturally true, is there a place in the scripture that can solidify this theological this doctrinal thought process. And, and for those of you that are not following that, what, what I'm saying is, what I've said to you today sounds good, but is there something in the pages of Holy Writ that can back that up and make it factual? Well, we need not turn any further than two chapters over than the passage that Pastor Chad referred to today in Ezekiel, I mean, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 16. There in Exodus chapter 16, 1 through 36, the verses there, you will discover that the children of Israel, again, I didn't speak with Pastor Chad, are, are again coming out of Egypt, they're coming out of slavery, they're coming out of bondage, and, and really, if you want me to be literal with you, God is taking them on a 40-day a, a journey to get the Egypt out of them. See, see God had brought them out of Egypt but the ways of Egypt were still inside of them. Has anybody ever heard the old phrase that, that where you go, there you are? I, I know so many people, and I'm not being condescending, I'm not being ugly, I'm not trying to be a jerk, being super sensitive. I know so many people that think the answer to the problems of life are a geographical location change. And, and at times, Changing your geography can be a part of God's will. We see it in Scripture. Hey, I want you to move here, go here, do that. But sometimes it would do us good to be introspective, to look at our own selves and say, is the problem not my geography in life? It is the problem me in this life. And, and even if I move my geography, will I not, with the same problems, also still be the same person in now a new place? Will, will I not recreate the same issues in some new geographical location? And what's happening in Exodus chapter 16 is, is God is saying, hey, I've moved your geography, I've moved you out of Egypt, but I can't take you immediately into the promised land. I, I gotta quote unquote, grow you, mature you, disciple you. We would say it like this. I am in the process of sanctification. I'm in the process of growing in godliness. God says, I'm gonna take you on a 40 day journey because in this 40 day journey, I'm gonna get the Egypt out of you. I'm gonna get the bad thinking out of you. I'm gonna get the old habits out of you. I'm gonna develop you into a strong man or a woman of God. I'm gonna make you the person it's going to take, thank you, Holy Spirit, you to become, for you to be, to sustain living in the promised land. 
How many of you want to go to the promised land? How many of you want a good life now? How many of you want a great marriage now? How many of you want strong financial income now? How many of you want to be an asset to society? I think everybody that, that's in their right mind that has any sense about them would say, man, yeah, I want a good life. I don't, I've never met anybody that woke up and said, well, I want to have a terrible life. Anybody with, with any salt to them, of course, we want a good life, but, but here's the thing. If, if we don't first let God do some stuff in us and through us, even if God gave you the winning numbers to the Powerball, it wouldn't fix your problem. You would mess it up. That went over like a lead sink in here. <laughs> you know why? Because some of y'all been praying, Lord, give me them numbers to that Powerball. If I just had, if I just had $40 billion, it would fix everything. I got a friend. I ain't going to call his name. I wish he was here today. Every time I see him, he's a good guy. He's been to church here. Several, he said, Pastor, I need you to pray for him. Give me them, them Powerball numbers. So when I lay my hands on him, I say, God, let whoever wins that Powerball be mature enough to handle it. And he said, see, preacher, you didn't pray the right prayer for me. You didn't. I said, no, I prayed the right prayer. <laughs> is, is anybody seeing what I'm saying that, that we have to do some growing and changing and developing in order to live in the blessing of God? God may bless you supernaturally. God may miraculously take you in to your quote-unquote best life now, and that's no pun intended, no not. But if you are not mature enough or strong enough or committed enough or have a resolve enough in God to sustain that, it'll be a fleeting memory. You'll have it today and it'll be gone tomorrow. The story in Exodus chapter 16 is a 40-day journey and how many of you know 40 days turns into 40 years? <laughs> Has anybody served God long enough to know that he may allow you to live every day, he may allow you to proceed, but there can be one lesson he's trying to teach you. And, and you'll know in that moment, you'll be like, oh, this is that lesson God's trying to teach me right here. And, and you'll just, you know, nobody knows, nobody sees. I just, I just ain't got to get this right. I just, I'm moving on. And if you're not careful, that thing that nobody knows except you and God that he's trying to teach you to learn, it could be about your attitude, it could be about anything in life, you will not advance in God. You won't go to other ages and stages and places and areas. He will, you'll look up three weeks and you'll be in some scenario that's like, this is that same blooming thing that the Lord was trying, and I know what you're doing up there. You're going to make me learn this before you take me anywhere else. You want me to show that to you in Scripture? We're going, we're going a mile deep today, not a mile wide. John the Baptist comes, repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is about to leave heaven, come to earth. His name, he's going to be right here with us. And, and he's about to bring a message that's going to bring the kingdom of God here to this earth and inside of you. So get your house in order. So John the Baptist preaches this, preaches this, preaches this. All of a sudden, the historian Josephus writes in the antiquities of Josephus that the reason the scriptures say the priests, the scribes, and the Levites went out to the Jordan River where John was baptizing is because the temple had emptied out. It would be like the three, four, five hundred of you that attend here at Oaks Church regularly, all of a sudden not being here, and then me be like, where are they at? Well, they over there. Hey, what y'all doing over there? Where, we need to come back to church. 
Josephus says, John emptied out the temple with this new radical message. And they finally got an audience with John, the scribes, the priests, and the Levites, and they said, who gave you this authority? John then said, my ministry is going to decrease. Jesus' ministry is going to increase. And all of those people, Josephus said, 50,000, first megachurch in the New Testament. 50,000 people left John the Baptist's ministry. He ends up in a prison jail cell and he gets beheaded by Herod. How many of you want that call in life? You ought to read Gene Edwards' book, The Prisoner in the Third Cell. God sometimes calls some of us to some things in our lives that, that, that are not all everything people's promised us to do and to be. All of a sudden, Jesus has 50,000 plus followers. He's a, he ain't even baptizing nobody. He got people to baptize, folks. He's got a treasure with so much money in it, Judas is stealing from it, he don't even know nothing's missing. Things are going good in Jesus' ministry from a worldly standpoint. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, scribes, Levites, priests, they show up and they say, we demand by the authority of God in heaven, who gave you this authority? Y'all done cleaned our plow, you done cleaned us out. What are y'all doing? And Jesus said, I got a question for you. I'm not gonna answer your question. Because I'm God, and I'm going to take you back to the place that you missed what God was doing in the earth. See, you thought I was on a rabbit trail. Whose authority was John operating by? Men's or heaven? What Jesus was trying to say to them is the progression of God is moving along in the earth, and you're trying to jump two or three spots at one time like this is Candyland. The board game. It don't work like that, Jack. You can tell I have young kids, right? You can tell we play Candyland. You got to go back to this area in your life. You got to go back to this test. You got to go back to what God was doing. And they got together and they said, well, if we say it's from God, then the people are going to run us off. And no, we don't know what we're talking about. But if we say it's from heaven, if we say it's from men, they'll all rise up and stone us. So they said, we don't know. We ain't going to answer. He said, well, neither then will I answer you. Proof in scripture that God Almighty himself will not allow you to advance forward into the things of God until you go back and cross T's and dot I's about the small things in God. Amen? Mile deep today, inch wide. The children of Israel are on this Exodus 16 journey. It's supposed to take them 40 days. They're in year 39 and a half. Don't you know everybody's arguing with everybody at that point? Where are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we, where are we going to sleep? What are we doing? Why are we lost? Who's driving? Get a new leader. Elect a new president. I don't care if he's from the left or the right or the mid. I mean, they are fighting about everything possible to fight about at that point. And more of Egypt, what is developed in them is boiling up in them, and they don't realize God's trying to get it out of them. So here's what God does. One day they bring their complaint. Pastor Chad, side note, said to me today, he said, do you got something for I said, I got all four weeks. I got all four weeks of holy habits in one message today. Trust me, we, we, we loaded now. Mess around, give me a couple of weeks off in the deer stand there, homie. I, go, I got it. <sighs> Listen to me. They said, God, we don't have this. God, we don't have that. We don't have no bread. We don't have no meat. We don't have nothing to eat. Leeds in Egypt, we have bread to eat. We have, I want to go back. God said, no, I got to get that out of you. I'm trying to take you to a better place. So God said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wake up in the mornings. I want you to look out of your tent, and there's going to be manna from heaven laying on the ground. And in the evening times, about 3 o'clock, I want you to look outside, and quail's going to fly in. They're going to fly in so good, even Charles Brown could hit them. Boom. 
boom, boom. I might have went duck hunting with him and saw him miss a few. He said he was letting other people shoot. Okay, I'm gonna get off that before I kill you. Them quail gonna fly in, and the Bible says they're gonna fly in like under a sheet of glass. Like they're gonna be just stuck down there so low you could just reach and grab them. I'm gonna give you bread in the morning and I'm gonna give you meat in the evenings. But here's what you gotta do. You gotta get up every day with a daily dependence to look with faith to put trust in me. If you get up and you go looking for anything else, put your faith in anything else, put your trust in anything else, complain and bellyache and murmur about any, get all twisted up, get all about anything else, there won't be no bread and there won't be no meat. And for 40 years, a 40-day journey took them 40 years to learn to put their trust in God for the things that they needed. You say, what's that got to do with what you were talking about today? Well, I think if we just simply connect the two dots of what I'm trying to show you, I asked you after I shared that the sunrise every morning should speak differently to everyone in this room, that his mercy, his grace, his provision, his abundance is afresh and anew every day to every one of you. And when you wake up from today forward, every time you see the sun rising through the clouds, through the rain, through the hot scorching skies, whatever it is, when you see that sun come up, the first thing it should say to you is God will provide everything that I need for my life, for my faith, for our family, for our business. God will provide it because great is his faithfulness. It's here. Yes, it's in the scripture. God wants to build your daily dependence, not in yourself, not in your 401k, not in your zip code, not in your friendships, not in your business, not in your contacts, not in how connected you are. God wants to build your daily dependence, your trust in him to make you the man or the woman that you're supposed to be to sustain you going into your new season. Don't just pray God take me into my new season without also being willing to go through the spiritual bench press exercise to become the man or the woman that it's going to take to live in that new promised land. Amen? Amen. Got another question for you. So I was just going through this as the Lord was speaking and I was like, so, so, so if there is an example of this in scripture and it's clearly Exodus chapter 16 and, and this is teaching us that we can rely every day on a daily dependence upon God and his provision for us in our lives, is, is there something else in scripture that would, that would show us that his, his, his mercy is fresh every day, that his, that his grace is new every day, that his abundant provision is there for us every day? And, and the first one I just want you to jot down, this is lanyap, as they would say down south. This is just extra. This isn't in the slide. It isn't in your notes. This is the barely even the tip of the beginning of the introduction today. The first thing that the Bible says we have from God as a form of general revelation that he gives all men on this entire planet, on every continent that speaks to us every day that we are his creation and that he is our creator can care for us is this creation itself. Listen to this. The heavens every day proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. 
day after day, the creation that God has created speaks night after night. They make him known to all men, to all creation on the earth. They speak without a sound or without a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message goes through the entire earth and their words are to all the world. God has made the heaven his home and the sun his footstool. Is there anything else in scripture that speaks to us daily on God's behalf? Oh, I'm going somewhere. I want you to see creation and every time you see that cypress tree, every time you see that sunset, every time you see that snow-capped mountain, every time you see that sandy beach shore with those beautiful ocean waves rolling in and tickling the bottom of your feet and cleaning the sand off your toes, it ought to remind you every day that there is a God that loves you, his mercies for you and he wants to speak to you and he will renew you and provide for you every day you see creation but there's an internal witness of God according to the apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans Romans chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 and 20 and 22 say the exact same thing that yes creation speaks but there's another form of general revelation that God speaks to us every day and, and it's consciousness consciousness I don't care and I don't mean this callous If you were the latest perpetrator in a drive-by shooting, if you were a hardened criminal, a drug dealer, or anything else, there is no one on this planet ever born at any dispensation of time that did not have the daily witness of God's speaking inside of them through consciousness. The Bible says, They all know the truth about God because God has put it inside of every man, every woman, and every boy and girl and people that turn from God into atheism, into agnosticism. They have to suppress the truth that God has revealed inside of them. They have to deny truth to embrace a lie. God speaks daily through creation. God speaks daily through conscience, but God also speaks. I know I'm about to land the plane and bring you on in this afternoon. He speaks daily through scripture. Listen to me, all three are general revelation. You don't have to be a certain tribe. You don't have to be a certain clique. You don't have to live in a certain area code. You don't have to know a certain person. You, you don't have to have so many Instagram followers. You, you, you don't have to have credentials. You, all, all people, listen to me. I looked up all in the Greek. Guess what I found out it means, all. <laughs> All people, all people, all people have creation, conscience, and scripture. All people have creation, conscience, and scripture. Here's what the Bible says about the scripture that's provided for us daily. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow their own advice are fallen into the trap of wicked intentions. Oh, the joys of those who know better than to stand around with a bunch of sinners joining in with all of their foolishness and their mockery. But these people have this great joy because they've learned daily the delight in the word of God and they learn to meditate on this word day and night. These people, Oaks Church Scripture, become like mighty oak trees planted along a water-giving riverbank. 
These trees who have great joy, who meditate on the word, who have their roots down in God, who are avoiding the carousing and the mockery of sinners, they bear fruit in every season of their lives and their leaves never wither and they learn to prosper through God in all they do. His mercies, every time the sun comes up, speak to me today that in spite of yesterday, that in spite of fear, that in spite of failure, there is a God speaking through creation that he loves me and that he is for me and that he's working through me. When my conscience begins to speak to me, both good and bad, it is reminding me that God is in me, that God is for me, that God is trying to grow me, that God is trying to promote me. God's trying to build some holy habits in me. And when I get the audacity, when I make the sacrificial commitment, when I fall in love with the word of God and I start immersing myself, meditating in the word of God, whether it's one scripture or it's 14 chapters of scripture if it's a small group or a men's group if it's a bible study or a celebrate recovery meeting when i start settling down and centering myself around that word of god all of a sudden that scripture starts speaking to me that scripture starts grooming me and growing me and convicting me and challenging me and building me in a way that nothing nothing else can i i, I want to talk to you this morning about just just one good way, one good way for the next 11 minutes or so. I want to talk to you about one good way to spend time in the scripture. Does, does, does everybody understand that, that the method of just saying haphazardly, I'm going to read my Bible today, flip, is, is, is really not the best method to study your Bible. Like, like there have been times we've all pulled the Gideon, I need a fleece before the Lord. Like if you're real, I'm going to open my Bible today and boom, you're going to leave me. I mean, and, you know, I mean, God, because he's God, he's got mercy and he loves. I mean, sometimes it falls just to what you need. But, but, but honestly, I don't know that I would recommend that all 365 days in the year you go, okay, open my Bible to what it's supposed to be on. I mean, at some point, there's some tempting, there's some testing of the Lord in that. Some point, it's like, hey, I've already gone through centuries of preparation and recording and preserving and inspiring and breathing this word, and now it's leather bound and book sealed and glued together and sitting on your coffee table. Why don't you just pick it up and develop a method and a practice and a discipline and build a habit about getting in this thing? People say, well, I didn't hear God speak to me. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard God. And, I, and I, sometimes I look over at their coffee tables and, I, man, their Bible got more dust on it. I could write my three kids' names in them. God has spoken. God has spoken. And what's so cool about the logos, about the written word, is when you start immersing yourself in the logos, in the written word, all of a sudden, then you start getting rhema word. Then all of a sudden, the word that is written starts becoming living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it starts saying things to you that allows you to preach without notes, to preach at the 7-Eleven, to preach to yourself, to walk in uprightness, to live under conviction. It starts speaking as if Jesus is on board. Just, just, just amazing. It's just an incredible book. All the anvils of human history have beat upon this word, thinking they would wear it out, break it, dash it, destroy it. This word has remained constant, solid, and intact and whole. And all the anvils have been worn to nothing. This word, my friend, is the bedrock of our lives. I just want to show you one way 
to read the scripture. It's super, super simple. How, how many of you take baths regularly? How many of you take baths regularly? Well, it kind of depends on what month it is. If it's in deer season, I ain't going to be bathing because I'm deer smelly. I mean, I'm with you. I understand. I'm just playing, just playing. It was a, it was a joke. It was a joke. If, if you bathe, hopefully when you bathe, you, you use this one little product. It's a, it's a, man, it's an amazing invention. I mean, it's, it's, it's called soap. Soap. It's a little block of soap, man. It, you put it right here, you won't even smell no more. It's amazing. There's a, there's a Bible reading method that's called soap. Just, can I share it with you today? Just, just give me a few minutes. Here's the soap methodology of, of using scripture. You can use it in a, in a two minute setting. You can use it in a 10 minute setting. You, you can use it in a 30 minute setting. You can use it in a three hour setting. You can use it in a small group setting. You can use a coffee date setting. Anybody can use soap. Say amen. amen. <laughs> you follow me? <laughs> Say, yup, I know some people that can use some soap, Pastor. Mm, sure do. That's why I move seats. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Trying to keep it humorous here. The soap method begins with the S for scripture. The soap method begins with scripture. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 16, say this about this amazing gift that speaks to us daily on God's behalf of his new mercies, of his new grace, better than creation, better than conscience, more accurately and clearly. Maybe you're beginning to see the direction of this message. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. <laughs> Help me, Lord. How many of you said, well, I read the Bible once. <laughs> I don't know how long you've been living. I don't know how long you've been human. But I've heard my wife say, and she is a very, very, very smart person, that she took 21 college hours in Spanish. And someone asked her the other day, could she say one sentence in Spanish? And she said, nope. <laughs> There's this human condition, no matter who you are, no matter how gifted you are, that we have to hear things over and over and over, somebody says, well, I don't like when the preacher repeats himself. My goodness, Jesus even repeated himself. Yeah. Verily, verily. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Can I say unto you, the same thing I told those knuckleheads over there in the last sermon. Oh, I need a new word. I need a fresh word. I need, a, I need better this week than last week. I feel the anointing of the book of Hebrews when it says, we got to go back to grade school and the things of the word of God. We ought to be teaching people about God, but we don't even understand the basic. And we've heard every new idea and every new sermon there is. And I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying, you do know, this message is for who first? How many messages do you think I preached in my life? I don't even know at this point. Can I tell you where my faith is right now? My faith is, I'm just going to try to live this one this week. It's not about how many binder full of messages I've got. It's not about size. It's, not a, it's about, can I live this? 
It's about do I have a holy habit that sustains me, that grows me, that makes me the man or the woman of God, that God's growing me into being so that I can live in the promised land of a great marriage, so that I can live in the promised land of an amazing business, so that I can live in the amazing blessing of a growing and thriving church, and, and, and on and on and on. Can I live this? Can you live this? The Bible says in Scripture, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. And the only answer to your faithfulness to the things that you've been taught is for you to hear them again. The only way you can be faithful is I told you once and you didn't get it. Hello, McFly, is anyone home? And even if you did get it, trust me, your human condition will mean you need to hear it again. So don't tell me why I read the Bible once. No, do you read the Bible daily? Matter of fact, is it did you read the Bible? It's did the Bible read you? You must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know those, and that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the scriptures, Paul is saying to Timothy, from your childhood, and you have been given, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, now I'm just going to stop grammatically in the English language here. Liz Parker and I, we're, we're talking about the difference in translations and all that today. I, I just want to show you something. In the Greek here, this side of eternity, this is saying from men's point of view back to God that it is a continual believing, it is a continual walking, it is a continual trusting mandated in order to receive the salvation that God has prepared for you perfectly on the other side of heaven. So we got to move away from the easy believism that says it's already done and now there's no precedent or bearing placed upon me to continue to be faithful because that's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying to his son in the faith, you know the word can help you stay strong. The word that you've been taught has guided you into the salvation that's coming into your life. But it's through a proven it's through a commitment, it's through an ongoing process of you staying connected to God that gets you to the finish line that allows you to receive what God has promised you. Listen to this. All scripture is inspired by God. It, it's God breathed and it's useful. Listen to this. I'm, I'm not going any further today. I'm, I'm done. Not done, but I'm not gonna preach anything past this. This is where we need to be. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach you what is true and to make you realize what is wrong in your life. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do right. Number one, first thing I want to address here under the scripture, S of the anachronism is the Holy Scripture is not demonic possession. It's not mechanical dictation. It's not that God came down and possessed somebody and took over their hand and it went to writing like God don't possess people. God inhabits people. God inspires people. God breathes on people. Matthew was a tax collector, so he makes more references to money. Luke was a physician. He makes more references to the human body part. Your personality is not suppressed when God inspires you. It's, it's God inspired. God breathed. 
the Ruach, his breath, and these men came under divine inspiration. Do you know who possesses people? When you start telling me, well, man, I saw something and I couldn't do something. I was out of control. And this was it. He got a name. His name's the devil. And, and, and when people start coming under possession or oppression, that is not God. That's when we get the anointing oil out and we go to laying hands and casting out and sending them in the authority of Jesus back to where they're commanded to be under our feet and defeated and powerless in people's lives. Amen? Don't play with that stuff. Don't play with, oh, look, asking that. Man, that stuff will mess you up. But God is altogether different. God will inspire. He inspired. He breathed on these men over centuries, over decades, and they all wrote the same story and they never even met any met each other. They they have the scarlet thread of the Messiah from Genesis to Revelation and they all tell the same redemption story and they didn't live next door to each other. They didn't get together and write. It's, it's God breathing on them to write this message. God's scripture was not just inspired by God then in that moment to, to carry life, but because it's God, because it's God, Every time you open it today, and even though it's been written in logos form, that word is alive. That word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That word can divide joint and marrow, soul and spirit. It can minister to your spirit what your spirit needs. It can cut down in your flesh what your flesh needs cut down. I love that when we talk about the word, this is a living book. You don't read it once you read it daily, and it reads you, it speaks to you, it reveals you. It's a mirror that shows you, you shows you your heart and without that mirror your heart which is deceitful my heart which is desperately wicked my heart will convince me that things are inbounds that God has said are out of bounds that that things are okay that that God has already clearly warned and said no that's not okay because that will destroy you that will hurt you that will that won't take you to the promised land that'll pull you back into slavery That's good Holy Spirit preaching right there. I don't have a spigot of this written down. This is the Lord just talking to us today. This word is is not only God breathed, but this word in the scriptures, it has two intended purposes. It's called the full counsel of God's word. And you, listen to me, you will never hear preaching in this church that only preaches and believes in the hyperinflation of love and grace and forgiveness and peace and God's blessings and wholeness without the other half of the full counsel of God's word that is repentance, confession, correction, and the returning of God's course. It takes the full counsel of God's word. The Bible says the word was inspired by God to cut down the things in our lives that our deceitful human heart is built up and made okay. Does anybody think that you're okay to live without God? You wouldn't be at church today if you thought that. I wouldn't be at church today if I thought I was capable of living this life on my own without God. This isn't about a check in the box for church attendance. This is about I know me and I'll get off track without God. Without his word. This word has to come and strike down and cut down and correct and show us what's wrong. Now watch this. How many of you honestly like to look in a mirror when you don't have your makeup on, ladies? 
<laughs> I heard something like, bless you. She said, oh no. <laughs> just, I, I just, the, the joking of that just was good to me. It helped prove the point. How many of you like, I'm gonna go deep here. I'm gonna go deep and we're gonna land a plane. Come on, Pastor Chad. I, uh, I had something on the back of my head the other night. And I was like, I was like, I mean, I don't know. How many of y'all saw the TCU game? Uh, see, the coach had a big cut on his head when they asked him about it. He said, I have a six-year-old. He said, I had a black eye the week before. I got a four-year-old. I didn't know if Foster done scratched me or what. So I was like, Brooke, Brooke, can you come around here? Can you look on the back of my head? What in the world is this? And when she was up there, ho, oh, hush, ho, oh, pop, ho. Oh. When she was up there looking, she said, baby, she said, baby, have you? Have you seen the top of your head lately? And I went, and I went. I said, I said, oh, okay. Uh huh. I said, where have you seen? No, I'm just kidding. I said, I said, well, just to be honest, no, I hadn't. I know they're trying to get a camera shot. I, and she took a picture. She took a picture, and she handed me that picture, and I went. <laughs> and I just sat there in like two minutes of brokenness. I was like, oh, snap. I thought I made it. I thought I made it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't even, like get it away from me. <laughs> Give me, I want some hair. I need some of that black spray. Some of that. <laughs> Give me something. Give me, help me. <laughs> I'm thinking about, my brother-in-law told me you can go to Turkey and you can get hair implants for like $2,000. I'm having all kind of thoughts in my head. Like if I make it to Turkey, would I make it back? Would they kidnap me? I'd have to lie and say I wasn't a Christian. Then would the Lord give up on me if I turned my back on him? I, have, I had all kind of thoughts. Whew, let me back up. Sorry, my brain works fast. And I was up. I was sitting there in that moment. And the point is, none of us like the ugly truth. And that's why many of us shy away and stay away from the mirror of God's word because it shows us who and what we really are. And we don't like that because ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me who to be. Ain't nobody going to tell me. But here, here, here's what's different about the New Testament than the Old. The Old Testament can show you the bald spot. The New Testament can make hair grow. <laughs> I'm serious. The Old Testament can show you you jacked up, but it's powerless to fix you. The New Testament, when Jesus comes, says, you missing hair, but I'm about to give you a spiritual hair transplant, and you're going to look like Pat Sajak. <laughs> hair going to be just flipping in the wind. I'm going to show you you got heart issues. I'm going to show you you got pride issues. I'm going to show you you've got habit issues. I'm going to show you you got addiction. I'm going to show you you got pride and anger. I'm going to show you these things. But then I'm going to take that all away. And I'm going to take out that heart of stone. And I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. And I'm going to give you a desire from the inside to love me and to live for me and to serve me. That's the power of the scriptures. They're God-breathed. They're alive. 
They'll speak to you. They'll show you you. But then they also contain in them the power to lead you to the one that will make all things new. Today the sun came up. It's gray outside. There's clouds. The sun's up out there. It's out there. And when that sun came up today, it means that there's new mercy today. Creation is speaking to me today that God's blessings are rich towards me today. That sun that's shining is showing me, revealing to me this beautiful little bayou I pulled in here on this campus. I said, wow, we are so blessed to get to have church in a place like this. this. I was like, this sun is showing me these beautiful trees, cypress trees, this water. I saw ducks getting up off the water out here that Charles Brown couldn't have hit with six shotguns. I'm just, just throwing. I saw all this creation. It's speaking to me. Conscience is speaking to me that I've got a creator, that I'm a creation, and that my creator can tell me more about the reason why I exist. My creator who made me as his creation can tell me about my life. Guess what? I got bold this morning, and I started opening up my Bible at home, and I did this cool little devo about hidden secrets inside, and it was cool. It talked about all the secrets that we've covered up and we've hidden in the past and how they can hurt us, but David said, your word, O Lord, I've hidden in my heart, that if you put the secrets of God God's word in your heart that they'll guide you and keep you from sinning and getting off course and getting off track and how about the power of those secrets those power of God's secret hidden word in you that'll preserve you and guide you and speak to you man that creation was speaking conscience was speaking the word was speaking that word was showing me some areas that are wrong and to move away from those areas were showing me the word was showing me areas of my life that are right and to move towards God's word will cut down but it'll build up it'll cut off but then it'll cut and mend Mm. you say well pastor I think I'm ready for you to let me go so I can go home read my Bible today great that's exactly what I was trying to do They're going to throw a, real quick, the rest of the soap and acronym up there, and I'm not going to preach it today. Everybody needs a little soap. You begin with the scripture, and after you read the scripture, you spend time in O, observation. After you have a time of observation, you then go to the A in the soap for some application. How's the rubber meet the road? And then you wrap it all up and you close it in a time of prayer. Say, everybody needs a little soap. I need some soap. Somebody said, no, she needs some lie. (laughs) He's going to have to preach an anacronym on lie next week. I don't know what has gotten into me. They're going to throw this little great QR code up on the screens. We're going to end in just a moment. We're going to end in just a moment in prayer. And I'm going to get the honor of doing what I love to do as your pastor, and that's opening up your heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to do some heart surgery. How many of you are digital? How many of you are electronic? (laughs) Believe it or not, it's all these people around me. I love them. They make this church so wonderful. I'm a a paperback book and a highlighter. I'm old school. We got Brooke and I got books everywhere. Brooke the other day told somebody them 17 boxes 
the reason we don't have a house and we live in a garage is because them boxes he'd been toting around. She said, them boxes are full of books. I said, I had to have something to do for all them years in prison. <laughs> just, just, just kidding. Many of you are digital. If you're a digital person, electronic, electronic person, you can just scan that right there today. We have this available for you um, throughout the week on the website. But if you scan it, this will take you to all of this information, or not all of it, a good bit of it, a reading plan, a daily reading plan through the YouVersion Bible app. And Oaks Church has its own platform, so to speak, on the YouVersion app now. Oaks Church is recognized there. I know some of you are already doing it because I started getting friend requests from you. I do use the YouVersion Bible app like daily, uh, even though I read out of paperback. For many of you that are, that are paper-bound folks, um, this is probably the best that we've ever done, just honestly. Would you give it up for our team? Put your hands together for our team. We, we have one of these for every one of you today if you will use it and you want it. This is 2023, Developing Our Holy Habits. This is our Bible reading guides, and there's different Bible reading guides in there. There's New Testament reading plans only. Like if you just want to cover the New Testament in a year, there's uh, entire Bible reading plans for a year. There is uh, a prayer guide in here that is actual our prayer teaching for our prayer team that has tremendous depth in it about prayer. And there's even a fasting guide in here about different ways to begin this year with a fast. For some of you, it could be just as simple as I gotta back up off the sweet cake, you know? I mean, it's like, hey, I gotta sacrifice something I love. Dear and holy habits, every week we're gonna talk about something different this week with scripture. Um, we're gonna talk in the weeks ahead about, about prayer. We're gonna talk about fasting, probably talk about giving. All of these different habits that Jesus said are non-optional to be a Christian. He said, when you pray, not if you pray, when you give, not if you give, when you fast, not if you fast. All these habits that should be hallmarks of our lives. These, these habits that discipline us and grow us. So many of us wonder, why is my life out of control and in disarray and out of order? It's because we're undisciplined. Because we don't have structure, we don't have order. And Jesus didn't mean for it to be that way. And he provided great resources for all of us to grab a hold of our lives with his help to become the men and women we're supposed to be, to step over into that promised land. We want you in a moment to leave here today and to take one of these. We have hundreds of them. We're gonna bring hundreds more next week, but most importantly, here's what we wanna to do today. We wanna to have a time of reflection. As this, as this year is in, ended, ending, and this new year is beginning, what I have found beneficial in my life is, 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 is to just take a few moments. So I'm, I'm going to ask Pastor Chad to just, just play, just play softly, sweetly, a presence about like it is. And if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads, everyone in here, we're not, we're not going to embarrass you. We, we have a, a, a safety team. There's people in here every week to make sure that you're safe when you're in this vulnerable position. There, there's some things in, in, in 2022 that, um, that probably don't need to go with us into 2023. And, and I would guess this morning, the Holy Spirit has already indicated some of those things to you. I, I know for certain the Word has already 
shared some of those things to you. There, there's some memories, there's some progress, there's some growth in 2022 that has been phenomenal, that's been great, that's been foundational, that's been epic, and that success needs to be pulled over with you into 2023 as the foundation now for which you to build on. And, and I want you right now to just take this moment and to filter through, even engage in conversation with the Holy Spirit. What are some of those things, God, that have been successful? What, what are some of those things, God, that, that have been counterproductive? What, what are some of those things that, that have become great strengths? And what are some habits that, that are just draining and need to be broken? as we sort through with the help of the Holy Spirit what those things are in our lives. I, I, I intentionally, seriously, I, I want you to do that. I, I, want, I want you to take those things that need to be let go and, and I, want you, I want you to reach out by faith right now and grab them out of your heart. But you grab them out of your heart. I'm, I'm grabbing that. I'm, I'm grabbing those things. I'm grabbing it. I'm grabbing it. And I want you to you to hold it tight in your hand and I want you to blow it away into the sea of forgetfulness covered under the blood of Jesus covered under a shroud of confession and repentance God I confess that I have been involved in this and it's been draining. I, I repent of being engaged in this thought process or in these activities or in the building of these habits. These things are, are counterproductive and counterintuitive to the life that you have for me. And I release them now. I bind them now. I cloak them now and shroud them now in confession and repentance under the crimson blood of Jesus. And may they be broken off of my life and released into the sea of forgetfulness where they have no power or no ability to steer me or to harm me. And also I grab a hold to now those victories, those successes. And I reach over with my other hand and I grab them and I place them firmly into 2023. And, and these are the building stones. These are the cornerstones. These are the capstones to my sobriety. These are the capstones to my marriage. These are the capstones to my happiness. These are the capstones to godliness. These are the building blocks to our new marriage and our new life and our new future. And I say now, Jesus, may these be laid upon no other foundation than you alone. And may your spirit continue to propel me to lay new stones of goodness, of righteousness, of discipline, of holy habits that builds a new life, that builds the dream that you promised me would be my life when I was a little boy, when I was a little girl. And would that all be done in your name, Jesus, today? By your power, Jesus, today. In line with your will today, Jesus. Amen and amen.